0: Little like super syndrome center. I <laughs> 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 <Yeah.
1: laughs> like it, that was fun. Sashi, pookie, chuching, me tok chan, re raveling, JANG VARDU Dakni NI Daki CHI gi pe sunam ki. Jola DAK GI CHIN YEN GYI PAY SU NAM GYI JO NAM LA VARDU Dakni NI CHI Daki chanyengi pe sunam ki, Jola bhenchir sangye jupar shum, Sangye chudang sukhi chuknam la, Jang bardu dakni kapsu chi, Daki chanyengi pe sunam ki, (laughs) Jola Penchir Sange Drupa
0: Just taking a few deep breaths. Inhaling full, long, deep breath. And exhaling slowly. And full, deep breath. Slowly and softening at the eyes and the brow, feeling the shape of a smile stretched over the forehead. And letting the jaw unhinge. The tongue relaxes from the inside out A slight smile at the mouth. It sends a signal to the body to relax. Sensing the space at the chest, the heart center a smile, a big smile stretches across the chest. Feeling all the tension melting from the shoulders, all the weight on the shoulders dissolving. Of both arms. Peeling the hands from the inside out. To the belly. And with the exhale, releasing, relaxing. Feeling the pelvic floor from the inside out volume of both legs and then any pressure or coolness warmth in the feet tingling of awareness to the whole body being aware of the space inside the whole body simply aware not changing anything not opposing anything Forehead and eyes and jaw relaxed, and expanding the space of awareness from the whole body to all the space surrounding continuous space and simply being aware of what they, what is called emptiness dancing go, feelings, sensations, thoughts, emptiness dancing. thoughts will come up, the mind will wander, it's okay, it's natural, it's a, a habit, and recognizing that is just a great moment of awareness, and relaxing back into openness, yourself to the rhythm of the breath or to sounds as they come and go. Placing your hands over your heart. See if you can get in touch with your deepest intention for practice. Maybe that is your dedication. Do you remember to practice anything that Emily talked about last night today? Mm. No, I guess I was just like had kind of a turbulent mind so I
2: just noticed it and how much problems that was causing me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remembered what she said about um, like looking at the afflictions or negative thoughts when they come up and Asking like, is this, is this helpful? What is this doing right now? Mm-hmm. That one, that's the one that stuck with me. Yeah, it's really cool. Okay, we're on class 10, yay! Yeah. So this is class 10, escaping unsca- oh my gosh, escaping uncertainty, <laughs> a study of Buddhist ethics. And it's Wednesday, November 14th. And tonight we're going to talk about a description of medium and greater scopes. I really love those slides. That's
2: amazing.
0: Isn't it? It's so great. I think I, I think I searched like roller coaster of life or ups and downs of mm-hmm. life or something, and this is like one of the first ones that came up. I'm like this is perfect. Um and so basically this is what our our mind's like. Mm-hmm. Like like what our, our life is like. And the history of our mind in this lifetime is we feel really good and then something crappy happens and then we feel good and then something crappy and then good and then a huge thing crappy and then a really good thing and then it's just over and over and over. We feel better, then we feel worse, and then the mind gets into a good state. And then it's almost like the mind goes into somewhat of an animal state where like, if we were in a really bad war fighting for our lives or um, when we're super depressed or, you know, or maybe just really hungry or driven by those, by those needs. And according to Buddhism, it doesn't take much to slip below that line where we would see ourselves as an animal... And we would be an animal. Like, that's what it would mean. That's what it means to be an animal. And our whole existence as an animal would be fear and terror. Especially if a human gets a hold of you. It's probably the worst thing in one way. You know, maybe not if they're going to make you their pet. But humans will either kill you, milk you. You know, like,
1: my computer just did something
0: whoa that was weird Um, let's see where the presentation went that's not it it went away the presentation went away oh that's so weird okay whatever it's here too this is better anyways Um, or we try to shave the animal and make them into like a sweater or something basically torture them um. <laughs> <laughs> <That> was true. <laughs>
2: is. Take their honey, take their children.
0: Yeah. Separate their, their families yeah. like if they're puppies and stuff. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, imagine like someone coming into your house and taking all your family members.
2: Yeah.
0: And then you have to go to a new house. It it's, it's terrifying.
3: Yeah.
0: Um. Uh, because we're smarter than them and we can outwit them. We can lock them up. We're usually stronger than them in some in some way. Mm-hmm. And basically, we shouldn't think that our minds are restricted to the boundaries of a human state, which we really I think we really do think that. Because we're used to being human, you know, well in this lifetime, all we've known as human. Mm-hmm. So I think we really do operate like that. When it actually takes just a few breaths to become an animal, which is almost unthinkable. It's mm-hmm. really hard to imagine that. Mm-hmm.
2: It's almost like like the full moon and becoming a werewolf. Like it, it's yeah. fast, but I can't really imagine.
0: No, I can't either at all. What was I was doing something yesterday or last night, and I got like a little sense of what it would. Like that, I was gonna die more than I usually do, mm-hmm. and I got like a little tiny glimpse of it for a moment. I don't even remember what it was, but it kind of stuck with me. But that's that's like the closest it gets. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this could end that quickly, and then um, who knows what happens mm-hmm. next. Basically, what I mean as part of as part of Buddhism, it's one of the big teachings that. We shouldn't think that that's impossible because we know it's not intellectually. Mm -hmm. And the the purpose of the Lam Rim, it has three great divisions for the person of lesser, medium, and great capacity. And it's defined by those three goals. Mm -hmm. And if we chart the five paths, there's a pre-path where we're starting to get interested in buddhism and we can maybe practice an ethical life concentration and wisdom and then there's the path of accumulation which can take millions of years who knows how many lifetimes we spent on the path of accumulation where we're accumulating energy to get to the next path or how many we are spending and then we get from the pre-path to so the first path by living a pure life and then we have to get the feeling of renunciation of being tired of being stuck in suffering life I kind of think that that might come more with age too not like we want to sit around and wait till we get older to realize something like that but it seems like it might come kind of more, a little more naturally that way after we've seen enough things really try enough things go wrong over and over and over yeah and Geshua talks about this too like in our 20s we, we just like for most people things haven't gone bad enough yet yeah. and I've heard Lama Ami talk about how like up until about 30 it's mostly all the karmic seeds from your past life carrying you mm-hmm. and then the things that we've done in this life start to, to ripen more yeah and i've only she's only ever said that to me once that I remember but i but I remembered it because it felt like it really made sense in my life too like things that that happened up until about twenty eight are very different from things that happened after
3: mm-hmm.
0: it was like yeah, I think my life was like more charmed before in a way
3: mm-hmm.
0: like i not I'm not saying that I'm not. But things were like easier, like jobs, promotions came really easily, mm-hmm. uh, you know, material things like that mm-hmm. came really easily. I wouldn't say I was happier, I definitely wasn't. Mm-hmm. But it did feel very different.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, path two is the path of preparation, and then that's where we're learning about emptiness. Emptiness. I haven't studied these in a while, but so I think you're do- we'd be doing one and two kind of at this, working on them or working on getting there at the same time, mm-hmm. because we're studying emptiness, but that doesn't necessarily mean all of us have renunciation
3: mm-hmm.
0: in a big way. So we're kind of doing them concurrently, I believe. And then path three is what? Obviously where we'll see it directly based on what we've done before. It'll get us to that point. Mm -hmm. Path four is...
2: Path of
3: situation? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Then we're getting used to what we saw and we're removing all of our mental afflictions and all of our crappy old karmic seeds. Mm -hmm. Path five is which one?
2: Path of no more learning?
0: Yep. The best path. And that's where we're a Buddha. Um, and there's a point in the path of preparation where we'll achieve a cessation for ever taking a lower rebirth so we'll never again go below the human line never again a birth as a hell being or preta or animal or any of those things and that's just the that's just on the second half too like how we have to have renunciation but and that's the goal of the lesser scope or capacity. so that scope isn't I've heard I think I've heard it defined as the narrower scope too, mm-hmm. which makes a lot more sense to me. Lesser has this connotation of like not good or something mm-hmm. like that, but it's just not as wide because it's it's just including um, you know better rebirth basically and most people. Most Buddhists don't even ever get to that point where they really believe that they could go below the human line and are trying to have a, a good rebirth. They never believe that that can really happen. And that's really what makes us a Buddhist is worrying about that. It's a, pre, a prerequisite because it's, it's the first of the scopes. You're not even on, we're not even on the Buddhist path if we're not at that point. And in the path of seeing, there's certain mental sufferings. So until the path of seeing, there's all these mental sufferings that we're always undergoing, like, Constant dissatisfaction basically with everything with every meal we have every like interaction we have every night of sleep we have every every moment really because in its present form the human mind cannot it can't be contented it's not that we're doing something wrong it's not that we haven't found the right thing to make it contented it's just that that's the nature of the reality that we're living in. And we can decide, which I'm sure both of us have done this, we decide that we're not going to be discontent anymore, and we're going to get out of that. And then the next moment we are, the next day, or we get, or we see this too, where people get really interested in Buddhism, but then they get bored with it and they want to do something else. Mm-hmm. And then they do the something else and they get bored with that. Mm-hmm. So it's just the nature of the mind. It's the, that's the mind in, in a human body. But then there's a point where we'll want to overcome all the mental afflictions. And that comes normally around nirvana. And we're out for the first time. Completely out. Which is almost unimaginable, too. I I really don't know what my mind or what my existence would be like without being discontent with everything or dissatisfied. not for long periods.
2: No. Like sometimes I
0: can get like oh this is on fun, like, but then Yeah, we maybe get little like glimpses. <coughs> you
3: know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but it's almost like it's too short to feel like it could stay or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then basically we have to conceive of the lamrim as being three different states of mind. The next one would be the medium scope, where we realize, what do we what do we realize from the the lesser to the medium, or the narrower to the medium scope? The
2: narrow scope is like not wanting to a lower rebirth, so you have to believe in rebirth. Mm-hmm.
0: Kind of. It's just, it's sort of just minus the bodhicitta of the greater scope.
2: Yeah, so like wanting to reach nirvana and like believing you can like yeah do better than just the samsaric life.
0: Yeah, we're sick of, we're sick of the suffering and we want out completely. We don't want just a better rebirth. We're, we're done. We know that even if we're born as human or better, mm-hmm. it's still going to be suffering we're still not going to be happy with it, so we're done. We want to be, we want to be done completely.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We don't want to live this kind of existence. And then, if we reach nirvana under the influence of bodhicitta, then it turns into enlightenment. And
1: that's
2: the greater.
0: Scope. Yeah. And that's the greater. And then the text, Jason Kappa talks about it as an alchemy, which I love that visual because I picture like this crazy person in like this little hut mixing all of these potions and and that sort of thing and the idea is that we mix all these different substances together and we do this special thing and the iron turns into gold Mm -hmm. and that's what it's like with bodhicitta Um, the wish for all other beings and myself to be out of suffering turns the iron into gold it's like the special alchemy having the bodhicitta added in there or this wish for others, and it's really sad. Um, like Emily was talking about this too last night. When you think of all the suffering in the world, when you're going through a hard time, and you think of that, it does. It completely gets it. Completely like evaporates the suffering. Mm-hmm. But it's really sad because there's so much of it. And Geshe Michael talks about it. He says there's millions of tired bodies running around, just this city. But the whole world, trying to make a buck, that's really what everyone's trying to do mostly, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they're working, everything they're working for, they're going to lose. And it's not going to bring them what they think it's going to bring them. The body's going to wear out, the mind's totally crazy and overactive and people can't sleep at night which then wears out the body, which is running around trying to satisfy the mind. It's like just a big, it's a big mess. It's totally a big, um, a big mistake. My mom sent me this really good poem today on impermanence. Um, I'll, I'll try to remember to send it to you. And there's no future to this kind of life except to have the body wear out. And we end up in a hospital somewhere, you know, best case scenario, really. Mm -hmm. So we can do good deeds, we can provide people with homes, but if we don't do it with the idea in the back of our mind that we'd like to get them out of suffering completely, then the only karma that comes from it is that we'll have material things in the future. So it completely depends on our intention. We could be feeding the homeless every single month, which is great. But if we're not doing it with the Bodhisattva intention, then we'll just get more food or shelter or clothing or something in the future, whatever it is. So we'll just get something else material, which is why we have to remember to dedicate. I, I don't think I've, I could be doing better on this lately, like de- like dedicating all through the day, or at least at the end of the day, dedicating the whole day, mm-hmm. if we don't remember during, because what a waste, we do, we do good things that we can dedicate, mm-hmm. it's not like everything we do is crappy, probably
2: most of the stuff we do is good, actually, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: but it's also like we're so busy that we don't stop to notice it, too. So if we do it, all of these things that we do throughout the day with that thought that I want to reach my own paradise and I'm going to show everyone how to get to their own paradise, then that action, it turns the action into gold and that's what, that's what the Bodhisattva does. And I think it's it's kind of tricky because it feels it's a little bit confusing that in a way that all we have to do is think of it a certain way and then it brings that. So it's it's a, it's an interesting thing to ponder, because we could be doing the exact same thing, but one will bring us more worldly crap that you know that's good to have, but and the other will bring us full escape from suffering, which in a sense is really amazing because it's just a tiny tweak in a way, but if we're not doing it, like even our even our dharma practice, if we're not remembering to, to dedicate or have the right intention, I don't know, I think some of the dharma practice though has it embedded in it, I don't know if that's actually true with the dharma practice but you know, like serving the center maybe. Mm -hmm. So I guess kind of in a way uh, the intention could be the most important thing to be doing. And it's interesting to think how does that work as we understand projections too. So (coughs) our future projection Of someone who does something without thinking about bodhicitta and then someone who does, how does it change the projection? So one person gets maybe nice things in a big house and the other person gets enlightened and they start to have tantric experiences in this life. And in that sense, like we both have that we have that desire, so why not use it all the time if, we're, if we could get that much more from it, from just, like, a little change? Because mm-hmm. it really, and, you know, technically it's a small change.
2: Yeah, it's
0: not very much extra effort. Right. We're still doing the same thing. And I think, I think the difference, so the difference is, it's the perception going on while we're doing it, and I was, I just thought about it a little bit, but I think it is, I think the intention actually changes the entire thing into something different. Mm
3: -hmm. I
0: think that's why, I didn't like, I didn't spend a lot of time and meditate on it or really ponder it, but that's just the first thought that came to me was that, oh, it'd just be completely a different thing. Mm -hmm having that intention, it's, you know, it would like infuse it with a different, it would be a different thing. So for some reason, focusing on others' needs and then dedicating it to ultimate benefit completely transforms the karmic seed that we're planting. So we can think of any good deed as steel And then if we do it right with the right motivation, then it turns into gold or like liquid gold. Mm -hmm. So there's something magical about thinking about others while we're doing it. And the meaning of dependent origination is that everything is projections that's Forced on us by our past karma and that's the Prasangika presentation of dependent origination and then taking refuge is the main lamrim that prevents us from a lower birth do you want to take a break now or in a few minutes 7.15. Oh. Yeah. Okay, we'll wait. We'll wait a few minutes. So that was... So the medium capacity, they want to get out of suffering completely and go to Nirvana. And in order to do this, they have to be Pakpa Dempa Shi. Say Pakpa dempashi
3: Pakpa
2: Dempa Shi.
0: The papa means aria, dempa means noble, she means truth. So we're talking about the four aria truths. And basically, Gesh Michael talks about the translation. He said we're basically stuck with noble because that's the way it was translated by early translators. Um, but that it's not really what it means. So the four noble truths, which is what they're what they're called, now, <laughs> yeah. yeah. um, it's it's actually it would be more, it would be the four Aria truths mm-hmm. instead. Because why would, why is it the four Aria instead?
2: Because when you see emptiness. Stir-
0: Yeah, truths or yeah that's how you realize them all like directly, directly them, yeah. yeah because noble means nothing like that huh noble means nothing like that you know
2: not in English
0: no mm-mm maybe they had a different intention um, when they were translating it yeah but or maybe it's like they just didn't know back then they're supposed back to, then. to say like important
2: truths or something like that
0: mm-hmm Yeah. So, the Four Noble Truths is the method for those of medium capacity. Um, And then there's two flavors of nirvana. You might remember this. One is when you're still stuck with an old body that's doomed which is lakche nirvana which means nirvana, do you know what it's called? Mm -hmm. with something left over Mm -hmm. and then when the karma wears off you achieve nirvana called lakme so there's lakche and lakme and with lakme you no longer have this body and you take on a different type of body and then there's a huge debate whether the lower tracks ultimately go up to the Bodhisattva path and reach Buddhahood, like if they have to do that. Mm-hmm. And according to Geshe Michael, the answer is yes, they do. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah,
2: because I don't see how you can see the four Arya truths.
0: I don't know it kind of how do you how do you think that
2: like when you realize the truth of suffering um how it applies to you it's not that much of a stretch to think that it applies to everyone else yeah and then when you really see the world and how it works and that our you know it's our own minds you know because then you can't say like oh well that
0: Right. And so. Yeah.
3: Like I, I just was. Yeah, it's hard for me to see how you can see the four right truths
2: directly, and then not, um, like feel some kind of bodhicitta or like, like want to help others. But.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
2: Yeah, and also like to me too. Once you see how the world works directly, like kindness to others
0: helps get me, What? how can
3: you
0: not, and then how can you not be kind to others, and then the more you're kind to others, the more you want to be kind to others, I think, too. hmm Yeah, like, all those together. Yeah, I could see, I could see that. My mind, and what I've heard more is, um, the example of is, like, when you're not, suffer- you're like, you're completely out of suffering, mm-hmm. so you don't have that empathy
3: mm-hmm.
0: like you're if, if you got there just for yourself and you're just hanging out and enjoying it
2: mm-hmm. it's kinda lonely.
0: yeah <laughs> but nothing but but you don't have loneliness yeah you don't have any of that stuff anymore you don't you're completely and totally content so I could I don't I have no idea how it actually happens I could see it going either way too yeah
1: with that
2: contentness you have like the spaciousness to do things for others because like when you're not trying to like yeah grasp the next thing or like keep yourself out of suffering you have a lot more energy to put towards reducing other sufferings yeah so
0: yeah that could be too
2: yeah maybe you don't actually care you just have
3: time (laughs) now
0: i don't have anything else to do (laughs) yeah yeah i
2: know because like what what would we do like imagine like how much time you spend like getting things you want and pushing away things you don't want. I know. And then if you didn't have to do that anymore, like, what would you do all day? I mean, sit in bliss, but...
0: I know, which which wouldn't be boring because boring is a negative.
2: Yeah. Like, nothing not would bliss. be... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I've always heard it that, um, like, well, at least the enlightened beings, all they want to do is go to teachings.
3: Yeah.
0: I, I mean, I could see that. I kind of like that. You know, in a lot, in a lot lesser sense now.
2: Yeah.
0: Like I, I kind of always, you know, always is strong, but. I could say like that. Go to the
2: teaching or go to the movie. You're like, oh, I'll go to the teaching. Or yeah. That, yeah. Yeah.
0: And it'd be like the, it's just the most interesting or amazing thing you could possibly be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um. Okay. So. The first one, say, Duk Nial Denpa. Duk Denpa.
2: Duk Nial Denpa.
0: Duk Suffering Truth Fact. So this one's the truth of suffering. And this is from the Perfection of Wisdom Sutra. Mm-hmm. And and this is really interesting. I believe, I think Esha Sultran is going to teach the different... Like the four Arya Truths in a different way or something when he comes back. Oh cool. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Um, and apparently there's like a lot longer lists, and I think this might be part of maybe part of what he was talking about. But you can teach these four Aria Truths the way they happen in reality. So logically the first the one that would come first is the cause of suffering. Mm-hmm. And then the suffering, path cessation. Mm -hmm. That would be cause and effect order. It's normally not taught that way, but it is sometimes. Mm -hmm. It That would be the order that you would figure it out as a person. So you bump into suffering, and then you wonder where did that come from. Mm -hmm. So it can be taught in a lot of different ways. And tonight we're going to do four different pairs. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: The truth of suffering includes a impure vessel B impure contents and A is referring to impure vessel of the world or the suffering world that we live in Mm
3: -hmm.
0: that's part of it and then the impure contents suffering bodies and minds of the living beings basically the world that we live in and all the living beings that live here And really, everything in our life is the truth of suffering. That's what this is saying. Our job, our body, our partner, our car, our house, um, our families, everything's going to wear out. If we like something, we're going to lose it. If it's useful to us, it performs a function, it's still the truth of suffering, we'll still lose it. It does, and sometimes I do think suffering does sound a little bit extreme sometimes because it's not like we're outright suffering all the time. It's more like a dissatisfaction permeates everything, mm-hmm. or like a stress or something, because everything's not terrible all the time. Like, there's always something wrong, but there's things that are good, too. So suffering, I think, is a little hard sometimes. Basically, we'll, we'll have to lose all of these things. That's why, ultimately, they are suffering.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: There'll be a last class that we have. There'll be a last time that we see each other. And it just must happen. Normally speaking, that's how it's going to happen impure vessel and impure contents, because there's some kind of corrupt, messed up energy behind all of it that's running everything, and my mind, and all of these things must make me unhappy, and I must lose them. It's just how it's going to go. It couldn't ever have been perfect, no matter what we did, so there's no use in being guilty. Um, It's just the energy that's running everything you know basically the karmic seeds it's that are running everything it's defective it's messed up it's not it's not going to end happily because it can't which doesn't mean that we're not going to get out of the cycle and reach buddhahood we will we are doing that for sure this that one's it's just good for me to hear over and over because that's what we're mostly spending our whole lives doing really And it doesn't mean that we would stop doing it either. But I think what would happen is we'd have a different relationship to it, like we were talking about with dedicating, where it would transform it. It wouldn't be the same, but we we could still be doing the same things. Okay, I think we'll we'll take a break and then we'll come back. I'm
3: not happy now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Turn on the recording. Okay, so we went over the first Aria Truth. The second one, say like, Kunjung Dempa. Kunjung Dempa.
2: Kunjung Dempa.
0: Kunjung Dempa. Kun jung dempa.
2: Kun jung dempa. Kun jung dempa.
0: And then, Lei.
2: Lei.
0: Nyan-mong-pa. Nyan-mong-pa. nyan
2: Nyan-mong-pa.
0: Nyan-mong-pa. <laughs>
2: that
0: one's hard. Yeah. Especially um, compared to Lei. <laughs> I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So, Kun-jung-dem-pa, everything truth came from. This one is the truth of the cause of suffering, which is really good news. Why is it good news?
2: Because if things have a cause, then you can stop the cause.
0: Yep. Because if it was caused, then it can end. We can get rid of it. And this one includes the two points are lei, which is karma, our impure actions of body, speech, and mind, and nyon mang pa, mentally afflicted things. This is because we get, basically because we get mental afflictions towards something. And if we debate this, for a long time we come out with anything that's truth number one is also, which is suffering, is also truth number two, the cause of suffering. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And I haven't really thought that one through. Basically, we have to think about it, and it's, a huge, it's apparently a huge debate. One is the contents, and one is the beings living in suffering. It includes nearly everything around us, everything in our life, except our meditation and our pure practice during the day. Everything else in our lives is suffering. Usually there's not really a single event that isn't suffering, unless we're remembering the teachings or doing Tonglen during the day. Um, But mostly everything else is. Then the third Arya truth, say Gokden. 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 And then Gokja. Gokden is cessation truth. This is the truth of the end of suffering, which is good news. And we also never really use cessation in normal life. If you put cessation into Google, all that comes up is stopping smoking Mm -hmm. because I've put it in there to see what comes up for visuals to use. And it's all stopping smoking. Mm. smoking. That's what it is. But we're basically stuck with the, the translation. First we think about suffering. And then where did this come from? And then we want to stop it. I'm suffering all the time. Why is this happening? How do I get rid of it?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And this one includes two Gakchas, which are very different. And most people never figure out the difference one or A is stopped by the path. So, for example, eliminating the intellectual belief in self-existent things based on seeing emptiness directly. And you remember what? Okay, we'll, we'll go. Ahead. Never mind that. Um, Does believing things are self-existent, is that something that you'd like to stop?
2: Is believing something self-existent something you want to stop? Yes.
0: Yes. Is the belief in self-existence self-existent itself? No. Right. Believing things are self-existent is this one. Is A. Is A. And the next one is basically the third noble truth where you're stopping the intellectual belief in self-existence. So, b, gokcha is stopped. Which is in quotes, by middle path reasoning, you're proving the non-existence mm-hmm. of something that never could have, exist- have existed in the first place, which is emptiness.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And what path stops that? Do you know? Seeing? yep the path of seeing when you come out of the direct perception of emptiness you see all things as self-existent but now you know that you are totally wrong yeah. you still have to see it that way but you know you're wrong you can't stop yourself from thinking it but you know you're completely wrong which would be a really strange experience Still being forced to see things the same way, but knowing it's wrong. So when you're forced to see yourself still thinking the same way and seeing things the same way, but you know you're wrong, then you're goked So if there was a full-size two-headed pink elephant in this room would she have to be behind the projector screen or in front of it? It's reasonable to say either, either in front or behind. Mm -hmm. And if you look in both places, so we look behind, we look in front, the pink two-headed elephant is not there then it's fair, it's pretty fair to say that there's no two-headed pink elephant in this room. And that's, that's what Marimica does. It takes something and splits it into two sub-areas and then says, let's look for it. Mm-hmm. Are there any self-existent things that are on top of the computer table or under the computer table? There aren't. They don't, I mean, they don't exist anyways. So any self-existent things, or full-size, two-headed, pink elephants in this room, none of them could exist anyways. And it kind of sounds like silly reasoning when we do that, but it's, what, it's how our minds work all the time. We're doing it all the time. It's just that we're so used to it, we don't even notice it.
2: Just, that seems normal.
0: Yeah. But then these... Examples seem silly, but that's Mm -hmm. how our minds work all the time. So I think the examples are just kind of pointing that out. Mm -hmm. Basically, Madimika reasoning is seeking to prove the non-existence of something that never could exist, never did, and never will exist. Mm -hmm. And doing that by looking for it in all the places it could have been, Mm -hmm. like the um, emptiness meditation on the body, like trying to find the self in the you know, that we think is in the body somewhere. Or trying to find the me or, you know, that sort of thing. I love those meditations. They're really cool. It
2: was so cute when Howard was we were doing course six and Howard was here and he would just be like, is the sun exel something? And just like he could <laughs> like random things and he would like think of another thing and be like, Oh okay, wait, maybe this is, and Yeah. it was
0: very sweet. I'm like he just kept looking and yeah, look. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is totally like a great yeah. way to practice. Yeah, it totally is. Like just to think about another thing, and then yeah. <laughs> 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 so gacha number two or B is the one that never existed, anyways. Can we stop that gacha? The One that never existed anyway. hmm
2: Like can we stop something that didn't exist? I don't
0: think so. hmm You're right. No, because how can we stop something that was yeah. never there anyways?: Mm-mm.
2: We can stop believing
0: in something that's not there. Yeah,: but we can't stop Which is that's there. right, totally. Which is uh, mm-hmm. the first one,
3: mm-hmm.
0: where we stop believing mm-hmm. that things are self-existent. And that, so that's why stopped is in quotations there. Mm -hmm. Because you're not actually stopping anything. Yeah, because it wasn't there to, to begin with.
2: So it's not so much that you stopped it, it's more that you looked for it and couldn't find it.
0: Yeah. You realized it was never there to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's not like, that's why it stopped, because, yeah, in a way we stopped it, but you can't stop something that wasn't there to begin with. Yeah. And it's really, if we start to look, like, just at our whole lives the way we think a lot, it's completely diluted like this. We're thinking there's something there that's never there. never could be there, never was there, won't ever be there. And then we're operating on that assumption through our whole life. You know, like if I, um, well, you know, like that class, the classic example. If I lie, um, I'm going to get this raise, and I'm going to be happy. We operate like that in things. Or if I get in front of this person in line, I'm going to get that last cupcake at Pushkin's, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to be happy because of it it's not so obvious all the time but that's like the intention behind it Mm -hmm. and it's all completely wrong completely Mm -hmm. mistaken it's crazy basically middle path reasoning proves that thing that never was isn't there it proves the thing that never was there isn't there but that we think is there.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: We can imagine what these things would look like if they did exist, but it never did exist and never will. That's it's like the example of the two-headed full-size pink elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. And number 2, when we establish the non-existence of the self-existent thing, that the self-existent thing never existed, then that's when we've established emptiness itself. Gokten, number two, is basically emptiness itself. The thing that was never there isn't there. When we reach Gokten, a certain part of us is Gokten. And when we're enlightened, do you know what that part's called? The wisdom body? Dharmakaya? Uh-huh. Dharmakaya. Yep. Okay. And then the fourth one, say Lamben. Wait, is it the hmm. Dharmakaya,
2: the wisdom body, or is it...
0: Oh, the, no, it's the, the emptiness body. Yeah,
2: the emptiness body. The but it is dharmakaya. dharmakaya. Yeah, it's the emptiness. The it's the body, emptiness,
0: Yeah. Which Dharmakaya.
2: I thought Dharmakaya was wisdom body.
0: Oh, I think you're right. Well, isn't that what you said? Didn't you say wisdom body, Dharmakaya? Yeah,
2: but then there's also the emptiness of a Buddha's body, which is a different body, right?
0: Oh, I believe the emptiness is Nirmanakaya. But it is, the answer is Dharmakaya. Oh, okay. But you know what? It probably won't connect. Oh, it did. Yeah, the Dharmakaya. Um I think this sounds right. Is the experience of the transcendence of form of the five senses, blah, blah, blah. The realization of true thusness. Oh,
2: okay. Is the wisdom body?
0: Is uh, the Dharmakaya. Okay. Yeah. But I always get these, I, I do always get those confused. I never have them straighten my mind for some reason.
2: Is the nature body the emptiness of the Buddha? I believe so. Yeah, because it has the truth body or the, yeah, which is Dharmakaya, the form body, Rupakaya. Oh, and the Rupakaya has the nature body and the wisdom body, the enjoyment body and the emanation body. So maybe it, no
0: there is I'm pretty sure that's the Nirmanakaya. the
2: emanation
1: body is the Nirmanakaya. lots of location. well
0: gok ten because all of them have to do with emptiness so it's confusing yeah Gop ten is emptiness itself. Number two is emptiness itself. And when we reach enlightenment, that would be called Dharma the Dharmakaya. Yeah. Isn't I thought I think Dharmakaya is a wisdom body, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah
2: it is. Oh yeah. So the nature body, the So.
0: So a babakaya
2: mm-hmm. that one is the nature body and it says Dharmata is synonym of emptiness however since the nature body does not merely refer to emptiness um, Dharma data here means that which is left in its natural state without being changed by causes and conditions which means emptiness right
0: without being changed by causes and conditions And that's what they're saying Dharmakaya is?
2: Not, no, they're saying this. Um, what did you say it's that,
1: about? Savatvakaya. Yeah,
2: Savatvakaya is the nature body and then the nature body is the part of us that is not changed by causes and part of the Buddha that's not changed by causes and conditions.
0: I don't know about that one.
2: The Dharmakaya is the wisdom
1: body. Okay. I believe Oh, and it
2: says here that the Dharmakaya, the definition of the Dharmakaya is a final kaya that has atta- attained independence on meditating on its attaining agents, the three exalted knowers, which are the Arya paths of the hearers and solitary realizers. just looking at this
0: on my website so yeah I <laughs> But i know i want to i want to learn those better too that i've always been confused by them i don't know why all the kayas i think it's confusing because their bodies but um when
2: we think of body we think of like this body yeah and, like one and i don't think of like my body
0: Right. It's basically just parts.
2: Yeah, and they use the word body, but it's like parts.
0: It yeah, it makes sense that the dharma would be the wisdom
3: mm-hmm.
0: body, but then I think it's the nirmano one that never makes sense to me, just and so I don't remember it. And then the svabhavakaya is the nature. Which is the bliss body, or no, is the There's
2: an enjoyment body, and that's the
3: kaya.
0: Oh yeah. And then
2: rupa is the one that's left. That's left. There's one more. The form
0: body.
2: The rupa is the form body. Mm. Okay.
0: According to that random website.
2: No, okay. well, I did look up at lama Yeshe, too.
3: <laughs> Maybe, yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> Anyways. All right.
2: But that's five bodies, so I think the common four is dharma, rupa, samboka, and nirvana. And then the nature body is like, that's a fifth one. So maybe that's why.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's just according to different Mm -hmm. teachings or lineages they add that showing in. Yeah. We, I don't, we don't go over them that much in these courses either.
2: I remember learning them in course six.
0: Yeah, I remember doing it at some point. Maybe when we were going over, like, nirvana and the definition or something.
2: Yeah, like, partly the... Six was
0: emptiness, right? Yeah, um, to so you, it? like,
2: talk about the bodies of the Buddha. And then, I think, yeah. you, like, over nirvana, you kind of talk about...
0: I want to look back at those notes and go over it again.
2: Yeah, because I talked about natural nirvana, which is the emptiness, emptiness. of the mind and, like, that's why I thought, oh, maybe nature body means the emptiness
0: of mm-hmm. the body, because yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna look back over the notes for s- mm-hmm. if it's six. Cause that that is always confusing me. I never like landed clearly on that. And when I don't do that, then it confuses me like forever. Right. <laughs> I have to learn it clearly the first time, otherwise yeah.
2: I'm like
1: doomed. <laughs> well, maybe that's what
2: we can ask.
1: Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd, that'd be, be cool. really cool.
2: Or this might, well, Kashi Sultan sounds like he has plans, but if he doesn't, the bodies of the Buddha, maybe he could teach that on the
0: weekend. That'd be cool. I loved when he taught the 21 Taras and did, like, so in-depth on everything. That was so cool. Let's try
1: to get him for a weekend and teach that. Yeah.
2: I
0: think that'd be really cool. I think so, too. Yeah.
2: Really inspiring.
0: I agree. Okay.
2: So anyway, you get one of the bodies. Of Buddha.
0: Yep. It's this. Okay. <laughs> you <The> definitely... <laughs> it's definitely the Dharmakaya. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the wisdom body. Okay.
0: Yes. According to Geshe Michael. Obviously, not me <laughs> because I don't really know. <laughs> um, okay. And then the fourth, say lamden. 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 Lam and this one long path, then truth, the truth of the path, or the cause of the end of suffering, mm-hmm. and it, it is kind of funny, because we're really, I mean, we're really only wanting to end the unhappy suffering, because we never ask, like, why did we get this raise, what's Mm -hmm. what's the cause of this why did this come Mm -hmm. but the minute that we don't get the raise and we're like why didn't this happen and we're all Mm -hmm. excited about it and then everyone asks why me so we can divide it we can divide this one into two as well um and this one obviously consists of five paths the first one path of accumulation and preparation second seeing habituation no more learning one and two go together, three through five. And on what basis do these look like they're combined? Um,
2: like have not having seen emptiness
0: directly and having seen emptiness directly. Yes, good, exactly. Have you seen emptiness directly or not? And we have to go through the process, or through this process of the four truths, to get us out of suffering. Mm-hmm and just thinking of our own unhappiness or our lack of bliss then we can understand emptiness more we can see it directly then we use our knowledge to wipe out all of our mental afflictions based like the path you know the five paths condensed mm-hmm. and if we do this we'll reach nirvana once our mind reaches that place we'll never be unhappy we can't be jealous we can't be irritated We can't be um, prideful, low self esteem. Nothing can ever budge us out of a a pure, contented state of mind. I think this is really uplifting, but is it still possible for that person to have a lousy day? Because you're
2: in nirvana?
0: Well, yes.
2: Once you have seen emptiness directly through the
0: path of the situation? Once you've reached nirvana no you can't have a lousy
2: day
0: we can't right you can't experience a lousy day but, but things lousy can things, yep, yeah lousy things can still happen but we wouldn't but be disturbed by them, them. Yeah. so that would be the difference so we could still get yelled at by our boss we could still not have enough money not mm-hmm. have relationships work out so in that way it kind of it makes it easier to see that potentially there's a lot of Realize beings around us,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but if we stay in nirvana for a reasonable amount of time, then all of the bad things wear out, and we'll be done with them. We'll be completely out. Okay, and then moving on.
3: So when you see emptiness directly,
2: you realize all of our issues during that time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So for, because you see them all directly, Mm -hmm. yeah. Because you'll see that everyone's suffering, that there's a cause, there's an end and the path too. Mm -hmm you see all of those and then there's all those other realizations that come along with it like you can read minds for i don't know it's like 24 hours or something like that Mm -hmm. Um, you'll see how many lives you have left to go i'm not sure if this i'm remembering this for some reason i don't know if it for sure happens here though it's like you see say like you see a light and beam directly or something like that I don't know though I don't know if that's true
2: you like like meet a Buddha and they like tell you your Buddha name and where you're going to go yeah
0: I I think that happens here Mm. yeah so yeah I'll let those things happen okay and then moving on to the perfection of or the six perfections Number one, perfection of giving. And there's three different kinds of giving, which is sometimes four. So the first material things, freedom from fear, dharma. Do you know the fourth one that's added in? Mm -hmm. Sometimes um, giving love Mm -hmm. is added too. The second perfection of morality so this one includes vinaya, bodhisattva, and tantric vows. If we if we have those tantric vows, and then are these actually are these all perfections too? If we're practicing them, are they perfections? Right. No. And why why aren't they? Because
2: we. much. I don't know. I can't come up with the word right now. But like, it's not pure because we can't practice anything purely because there's right. too much like mental afflictions
0: and. Right. So stuff. who can who practices them purely?
2: Well, Buddhas for sure. Can yeah. Can Bodhisattvas practice them purely? Or I
0: think it's just. I think it's just when you're enlightened being mm-hmm. that you're practicing them perfectly. So we're not able to right now, but they're helping to make us perfect. So there, we can think of them more like perfectionizers. Mm -hmm. Or we're trying to become perfect. And then the third one, perfection of not getting angry or patience. Restraining ourselves from anger in any situation. Patience doesn't quite do it. It's really not getting angry.
2: Yeah, patience is not a good translation. I
0: don't think so either. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Because I took Course 11, which is on that one, that perfection, and I was like completely surprised. Yeah. I had no idea.
0: I don't think I remember Course 11 then.
2: Not in a bad way, but yeah, because the Course 11 teaches um, patience and joyful effort, I think. Yeah. Mm. I don't really remember the joyful for part, part, but I definitely remember the patient's part. Because I remember, like, I was like, what is this? This is not what
0: I expected. <laughs> <laughs> like, not in a bad way,
2: but I was like, it was really intense. It was really intense. I just remember that.
0: Was it, like, learning that it was actually not getting angry?
2: Yeah, and what not getting angry means. And it was, I just remember it being really intense.
0: yeah. Yeah, because it yeah. comes up all the time in our lives, too. Yeah. Getting angry at little things or big things or...
2: Well, and I started noticing how angry I was all the time.
0: Oh, yeah. Because,
2: and it it's interesting because I'll tell people, like, oh, yeah, I've had a lot of anger come up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? But I count, like, any irritation as anger now.
0: Yeah. Which comes
2: up constantly. Uh-huh. And so...
0: Which is good because it's a good sign that you're progressing along. Your yeah, path when I it's like it more and more minute. Like, I'm an
2: angry person, but yeah. <laughs> it's just funny, my view of myself really changed.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and I guess Michael mentions this here that um, perfection of not getting angry, this can also be at inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. Like if you stub your toe or curse, then we'd be breaking this one. Mm-hmm. fourth one perfection of joyful effort having a good time doing virtue really loving it Mm -hmm. loving doing those things and I was thinking about this like like even you know our board retreat on Mm -hmm. Saturday like loving doing those things Mm -hmm. and at first I wasn't wanting the schedule my schedule to be filled with Mm -hmm. something else but then thinking about it I was like well in one way that's true but also there's also nothing else that I'd want to be doing more either yeah so it's having a good time doing our practice enjoying it being happy with dharma instead of resisting, the, resisting it I think you see students like that too and it's really hard like not resisting it if we're going to be doing it just doing it mm-hmm. not fighting it which just makes it harder just throw ourselves into it the perfection of concentration, which is shine the Tibetan, peace to stay, means meditative concentration, and the Sanskrit is shamatha, which some people spell with the th, shamatha or something like that, and um, it's that's completely not correct. It's actually a t there. It is shamatha. Which would be the ultimate form of concentration. That's what this is. And it's defined as meditative concentration, which is infused with the extraordinary pleasure of agility brought on by being in deep, one pointed concentration upon the particular object of focus. That seems
2: really I know. <laughs> I that. Yeah, me
0: too. Extraordinary pleasure of agility. Yeah,
2: it's, not, <laughs> it's not my experience. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so the components are it's a kind of meditative concentration, fixed one pointedly, leads to agility, which causes some deep pleasure. And it implies that we're so good at keeping our mind on one object, it's called agility of mind and body, that we can sit there for a really long time and our body's totally under control. Mm -hmm. So if we want to keep it sitting there, not moving for two to three hours, no problem. We just tell it to sit, we tell the mind to stay, and it does it. Mastery over the body and mind. Then there's a bliss that comes from this, which it's good to mention isn't the goal, isn't a Buddhist goal at all. And when we get that, don't get attached to it, don't mistake it for any kind of spiritual goal, but, it's, but it, it'll be really nice. It's a nice
2: side effect.
0: Yeah. And I think we get that little by little. I don't ever get, like, some huge, like, intense one experience. I, mine, mine tends to go, like, little by little. I think meditation feels more and more pleasurable just in small increments. Okay, and six. Perfection of wisdom. Hlaktang. Special seeing, extraordinary vision. This one, this is interesting to go over this too. Um, It's defined as insight, which is a little confusing. I think it's completely confusing because there's school in America that schools that do vipassana mm-hmm. retreats and they understand it to be meditation but it's actually not
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's the vision of emptiness
3: mm-hmm.
0: vipassana is the sanskrit it's the direct perception of emptiness that's what it is and i i actually find myself misdefining this at times mm-hmm. because it's so prevalently defined differently yeah. and it's defined as A state of wisdom infused with the extraordinary pleasure of agility brought on by analyzing its particular object of focus, all based on a platform of quietude. We're able to put our mind up to a certain point and stabilize it. That's the foundation of Vipassana. And then we're analyzing the self-existence of objects of focus. And when we see emptiness directly, what is the object that we're focusing on? The like, absence? Like what yeah. do we see the emptiness of first? Of um, Our mind? Of ourselves. Oh. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. So we see that it's all a projection of our, our mind, mind forced on us by our past karma. So basically, shamatha is that strong foundation, that single point of focus. Vipassana is using that and seeing emptiness directly with it. So really, vipassana is seeing emptiness directly. But I think we even kind of use it differently in our lineage sometimes too. Um, okay, we're we're almost we're just about done. Last slide. So in the Vipassana meditation, we're analyzing the self existence of the object that we're focusing on, and it brings about an agility of body and mind. Basically, we tell our body what to do, our mind what to do, and then it brings a state of bliss and a state of well-being. And it could be analyzing of perceiving emptiness directly. It doesn't have to be discursive or we're going from, from thing to thing. Shamatha and all Pashyana are the ultimate form of the last two perfections, which are what? Concentration and
2: wisdom.
0: Right. And to be able to get there, we have to be meditating one or two hours every day. In order to reach that state of concentration where we can get ourselves to focus and our body to do that, we have to not be distracted by sense impressions any conceptual thoughts and we can get there if we practice it Mm -hmm. we have to reach Shamatha for direct perception of emptiness so one to two hours a day and then we organize our lives around that we find a job where we're not too tired in the morning to do it or we have time maybe in the evening to do a second one if we want or throughout the day so if our job completely exhausts us then we need to find another one no question because there's nothing more important that we have to do. I mean, we have to work, too, obviously. So we arrange our life to accommodate good meditation time. And then we deeply study the Madhyamika view of emptiness, which I feel like we haven't done in a while, actually. Keith, Keith did a little. Um, we have to do so many classroom hours Combined with meditation, we can't just hear it a few times and it's going to be enough. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing Jason Kappa gets into is a little bit of the secret teachings. And he says, once you study the path common with both secret and open teachings, which is, do you know what that path is that's common with both?
2: Sorry, say that again?
0: You study the path common with both secret and open teachings. It's Lamrim. It's indispensable to both open teachings and higher teachings. The higher teachings won't work without it. Mm-hmm. So it's something that we will carry through our whole Buddhist career. So that's what um, Jason Koppa talks about. So once we study the path common to both, which is Lamrim, then we have to find a diamond master. And then we'll be on our way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Any other questions? I
2: don't think so. Okay.
0: So we can end with a short meditation. Turn this back on. Get the sense that you're absorbing all the wisdom from the whole course, from all the classes we did. Like it's being poured into your body from the lineage, going back all the way to the Buddha. You're overflowing with this golden wisdom light next. whole body, your mind, stream of consciousness, and all the blessings of the lineage are just raining down, and this golden light can't be contained within your body alone so these light rays start to radiate out in all directions wrapping around the whole world maybe the universe destroying every bit of suffering for all beings you see them immediately transformed into holy beings and they fly to their Buddha paradise golden light withdraws back into your body see yourself as enlightened as well Dedication in mind is Oh wait, I think we're not gonna do closing prayers because it's the last class. Or actually we won't do yeah, we won't do closing prayers or prostrations. And just making your dedication I know it It is.